What up, it's your boy Worldwide Loud, and you watching Cloudy Conversation. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Cloudy Conversations. Today's guest is artist, videographer, label owner, just to name a few, Worldwide Loud. Thanks for sitting down and talking with us. You already know, man. Alright, so for the new fans or those who may not be aware of you, um, just tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I've been doing music for like nine years now. Um, from Harrisburg, PA, born and raised. Uh, I do music, I shoot videos, I got my own record label, I own a studio. I do a little bit of everything for real. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Now, like you mentioned, you're from Harrisburg, been doing music for about a decade now. Um, would you say you're one of the first people to put a face to the Harrisburg music scene? Yeah, like one of the youngest artists, yeah, I could say that. And what age was it that you first started rapping? Uh, well, like taking it serious, I started taking it serious around like 16. But I started like playing with rap when I was like 19 years old. And when you say playing with it, do you mean like just freestyling, rapping around, or like just writing? Yeah, like, I was writing, but I was freestyling more. Like I had a boombox that I used to uh, have a microphone on, and I used to play beats and rap over like cassette tapes and record it like that. So I was like 10 years old. I'm like, saying, so you, you, like, me and my cousin. So. Cassette tapes, you started yeah. early, like, yeah. <laughs> taking it back. Um, yeah, too. Uh, now, through your music, you've, you've expressed that um, you pretty much grew up in a home where it was just you and um, your three other siblings. And you guys went through, you know, some tough times as far as, you know, financially and just, right. you know, ups and downs. Um, how did those times affect you? Oh, uh, well, it actually made me have to do some things that, you know, I ain't proud to say I did. But I had to do stuff to make shit happen in the crib, you know, so niggas had to, you know... Right. So at a young age, I had to go outside and do shit that motherfuckers that was older was doing. So I was hanging around older people, and it kind of, it helped me though, like a lot. Like I grew up more mature than all my friends and stuff. So and for me going through so much at a young age, it it just helped me be more focused as an adult. Like I've been through so much, so I'm more like experienced in a lot of shit. Now, was school a factor at this time as well? Like, were you still attending school? Yeah, I was in school, for sure. My mom made sure we went to school. Like, she didn't play about that, you know what I mean? And were you a good student? Yeah, I was a good student. I was smart. I was in a, I was in a program called PFL, so I went to that. That was like an advanced program for students. But I got suspended a lot for fighting. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just one of them. Like, I was getting in trouble, like, but... Were, were you normally the guy to cause the fights or you just somehow always ended up like it was like half and half and sometimes it was me taking up for people or mm -hmm. like just fighting other people's battles and shit so it's just dependent for real uh, what was your favorite subject in school science science yeah what did you like about science it was more hands on you know what I mean I don't like just the teacher just talking like okay. I got a short attention span like, I feel like I got ADHD <laughs> or something, or ADD, whatever. But whatever they call it. Yeah, like, I can't, I need to be hands-on with a lot of shit, so. And, obviously, like you said, your mom was on, you school was still a thing. Was she aware of what you were doing on that side, or was that something you were keeping, like, on the, I mean, from her? 
Once it once I got to like a certain age, she kinda knew. Like she put two and two together. Yeah, but it was like what I what I was dealing with at that time wasn't nothing that was crazy. So it was like long as I was only doing it with my friends and not just randomly like it was a lot of shit I did, my mom don't know. Right, you know right, I mean? right. And she probably know now because I told her that I'm now that I'm older, but like back then I was keeping certain stuff from her, so and there wasn't no no large scale. It was like little nicks. Like what? Is, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's like my mom definitely can't know that I'm just yeah, like, in any way doing nah, it. Yeah, I remember one time I got in trouble. Me and my homie, we had we tried to make some fake crack, right? <laughs> it was like a whole bunch of that shit. We had it was sitting in my room drying or some shit. My mom found that. Oh gosh! And she called my phone, snapping like I got fucked up for that shit. But yeah, she ain't want me dealing with like no no hard shit like crack or coke or nothing like that. Yeah, cause that, that just comes with a different yeah. type of tip. I mean, she ain't want me doing nothing to be honest, but like realistically, if we you know, like when you you know you can't control your kids to a certain point, like no matter what you right. instill in them, no matter my how mom hard. Ain't high stuff from us, like she, my mom was the type of mom that like she put us on about a lot of shit in the streets. Cause Kept she it real didn't want with us you. to be like blind to it, you know. Because you, like, you're going to approach it in the yeah, environment yeah. you we grew up in. It's going to find you one way right, or the other, right. so. If you didn't know it prior to it, you could get like one of them kids like, oh shit, I'm right. fresh out here. Like, this right. is fun. Like, my mom didn't tell me nothing about this shit. And that's why I kind of like, I'm different than a lot of like people I grew up around because their parents like kept a lot of shit from them. You know what I mean? Try to keep them away from certain people and don't let them go outside and locking them in the crib and all that weird stuff. Like, my mom was like, she made sure we was aware of stuff so we could be safe. You know what I'm saying? We know what the consequences is if we do certain stuff. You know what I'm saying? We know about certain things. You know what I mean? But And did you, like, when you were younger, did you get in trouble, like, outside of school? Maybe, like, with the law or anything? Did you have any of them situations? Yeah, like, I got, I went, I went to, I got locked up when I was 15 and expelled from the high. So I didn't even get to finish school at John Harris. Damn. Like, I went to ninth grade. 10th grade, I went to school for like the first, what, week? Damn. Got expelled for a fight. They charged me with aggravated assault. Damn. Yeah, because the, uh, the boy's jaw was broken. So it was, a, it was a fight between, I was with somebody waiting for the bus, right? <laughs> we missed the bus. So I'm walking. Mind you, this is, me and him was cool. Like, that was my homie, but I knew him through other people. Like, mm -hmm. that was my, my brother's friend. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we walking. A car pulls up, and all these people get out and start like wilding, like with on him. <laughs> but then the one boy hit me, oh, so man, I'm like, like, "You with him?" So, I'm like, what the fuck? I got so, uh, so we start fighting, we fuck them up or whatever. We leave. The next day, uh, we was on the fucking news. Damn. Talking about we had to turn ourselves in and all this shit. So, I'm well, I'm 15 at that time, so. When I got locked up, they sent me to Shaftner for what? I was there for like two and a half weeks. And I, I turned 16 in there. You know what I mean? So yeah, I was getting in trouble for fighting a lot. And I think I got caught with like, no, I ain't never get caught with no weed or nothing like that. But yeah, fighting. Damn, so when you got expelled from school and then you got, you know, um, the charge added to it, 
when you got out, like you weren't allowed to go back to school. So what was the option next for you? I had to go to um, a branch. Mm. It was called Hasa. It was up at uh, the shopping center, the old bingo hub. So I had to go there. It was like eight to eight. It was eight to eight in Hasa, and then they had me in a program. Wait, only eight in the morning to eight at night. You were in school. Nah, so they had a program there called 8 to 8, which oh. was a Braxis. Then they had the other half was called Hasa. So Hasa was 8 to 2. But the only reason they released me is because I agreed to go to this. It was like a, a, a placement. Mm-hmm. But it was it was only like during the day you go home at night. So it was called uh, NRC, mm-hmm. okay. Neighborhood Reporting Center. So it was ran by like the... Uh, the uh, the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. fucking judges, POs, and all that. But I would go to school from eight to two. They would pick me up in a van, and we go to. It was ran in a church, so when we went there, we had to do chores. We had to fucking. They had us doing fucking exercises, like killing us. <laughs> Uh, we had to do like little groups like drug and alcohol groups and stuff like that you know what I mean our POs is there we had to do drug tests every day they feeding us but we can only eat certain stuff we can't drink juice we only got so pretty much they put y'all in boot camp for, yeah. so, for so long yeah you go home at night you know what I'm saying it's the same shit every day for 90 days or however long your sentence was in the program everybody had an ankle monitor on mm-hmm. so you on a curfew only dad was allowed outside was on Sunday for like four hours or some shit like that. You know what I mean? So And during that time, uh, did it like that structure help you in any way? Like the fact that you kinda had to stick to, you know, that daily that's what, routine? That's what uh that's how I really started taking music serious. Like once I finished the program and I was able to go back to regular school, mm-hmm. I uh, moved in with my dad. Mm-hmm. My mom sent me to live with my dad in Mechanicsburg. So okay. that's how I went to East Penn. Okay, I, I didn't know. I didn't know you went there. Yeah, I graduated from East. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So when I was at my dad's crib, I was living in the suburb. Like I ain't have shit to do. You know what I'm saying? So I lived with him for like a year. He kind of kicked me out. I get to that. But <laughs> I was living out there or whatever, and I ain't had nothing to do. So I had a, I got a laptop and a mic and started recording my own music, and that's when I really started taking it serious. So I feel like. Me going through what I went through, like getting locked up and going through that program and all that, mm-hmm. and moving with my dad, getting away from the city for that a little was bit, it kind of like it helped me become the person that I am today for real, for real. And that's actually like a perfect transition into my next question because now you're known as Worldwide, Worldwide Loud, but you actually started off as Think Loud. Yeah. Um, so where did that name come from? So basically... Um, I didn't like Stink Loud. Like, <laughs> like if that, that was like some family shit. Like, my mom used to say that to me. My brother used to say that to me. Like, because we was originally from the South. Like, not Loud originated out of the South. You know what I'm saying? So, shout out to Alfie and shit. Um, so, when I went to London in 2016, on my first tour, after I came back, I just started having all these thoughts. Like, yo, like, I want to start my own brand because at that time I think I was uh I was dealing with another local label or whatever mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and I wasn't really feeling a lot of shit that was going on so I wanted to branch off and do my own thing so I'm like what am I going to call my label so I came up with the worldwide forever for my label and then after that 
Man, I need to change my name. Like, I gotta, I gotta keep loud, but like, I need something to put on the front to of match the brand. You know what I mean? Yeah. To match the brand and to just stand out and be my own self. Cause like, with Stink Loud, like, you could type. Well, at first it was just it was Stink Loud. Then it went to just loud. Then it went to worldwide loud. So when it was just loud, it was hard. Cause like, people can't just go online and type in loud and my shit pop up. It's Chinese people popping up. It's all this weird shit. So I'm like, I need something on the beginning of it to make it, you know what I mean, original and make it mine. So I did that because I felt like I wanted to just keep traveling. Like, I'm like, I want to I wanna be worldwide, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to be local. Like, that's the only reason I went on the tour out there, you know what I mean? So that's where that came from. Okay. And then um, I had also came across a Twitter page from when you was 16 in uh, 2011 when you had created it. And the bio had said that um, <laughs> it said that you were a 16-year-old rapper from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was Little Wayne, Cassidy, Meek Mill, and myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And yeah. it had your location as Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'm like, this nigga's not from Mechanicsburg. <laughs> yeah, like, I ain't from Mechanicsburg. Right. I was living there at the time and shit. Yeah, uh, are those still your idols or people you would say influenced you? Who all I said? You said uh, Lil Wayne, Cassidy, Meek Mill, and yourself. <laughs> all right, so Cassidy not my idol. Uh, I, I fool with Cassidy. Like Cassidy was one of my favorite rappers when I was younger. I mean, but now he's kind of like. Not my favorite rapper. I don't even listen to Cassidy no more. Right. But uh, uh, Lil Wayne, in a way, in a sense, like the way he came up, you know, like his drive, like the that the exactly type of he shit said. he did, the, the bars he set and all that. I'm trying to be the same way. Mm-hmm. But like the type of person, artist he turned into, like I don't know. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, Meek Mill, yeah, I look up to Meek. I fuck with Meek. Just the same thing, like his story. Like I watched him since I was a kid, and watched how he came up. So like I really I look up to him, um, and I say Fifty Cent. Like I don't know why Fifty Cent wasn't on there. If you read my book, Fifty Cent's in that joint. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite rapper. Like and now the person he turned into today is just crazy. Like yeah, who would have thought? I'm trying to be doing that. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be writing movies and TV shows and being movies and all that. Like I want to act and all that. So. Yeah, that's funny though. Yeah. <laughs> she found throwback. Facts. And one of the tweets actually said, uh, listen to the songs recorded and produced by me. Bad quality, still got lyrics to keep them listening. Mm. Um, so, have you been recording yourself from the start? Almost like I say 95% of my music is recorded and mixed by me. And where did that come from? Like, when most people start rapping, like, all right, I'm going to go to the studio and just start, you know, rapping. But you kind of focused on the craft behind it, actually learning how to record and engineer and mix the song. So how yeah, did that like, happen? I guess it started with the boombox. Know what I mean? And then, like I said, when I moved with my dad, I started recording myself on a computer. I had a little guitar hero mic with a sock on that joint <laughs> <laughs> for the filter and yeah, shit. Yeah, that's and hilarious. And I just kept going. Like, I don't know if it's because I wanted to save money or I ain't have the money to go to the studio or if it was just because I wanted to learn how to do my own shit, you know what I'm saying? And it just turned into me owning my own studios and, like, I don't know. It's crazy, though. 
Did you have, well, you said you've been like pretty much recording from the start, but when you like actually got the equipment and things like that, did you know like what to, what you needed to like download, what you needed? Oh, nah, I would like, so I did go to studios. Like I used to, the first studio I think I ever recorded at was Father Time Studio. It was owned by Harvey. It was on Paxton Street. So I, I went to him, uh, me and my sister used to go to him because my sister sings, so she used to be the one in the studio. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I even got into recording music, like being around her, going to the studio. So um, I went, then I started going to Darkland on 17th Street, and I started like paying attention to pe what people was doing. I started hanging with certain people that was into that. So I started picking up stuff and learning it as I went, but I didn't know what I was doing when I started, though. You know what I mean? And do you remember the actual like first song you recorded once you got the equipment and you found like you kind of knew what you were doing with the mix? The first song I recorded, or just a, maybe a memorable song at that time that you're like, yo, like yeah, I'm, I'm, I can do this shit. I remember recording better, but better days. I ain't, I ain't mixed that. I ain't recorded that. I can't even say what song. Cause you were just put doing so much. You were doing freestyles. You I were... was dropping so much shit back then. Like I would drop like four songs a day, five videos a week type shit. Like I would, and I was recording my own videos too. Like I was shooting my own videos and all that. And what uh, were you using this when you first started shooting? Uh, I had a Canon. I started with a Canon T three I. Did you have any knowledge of how to work that, or you just was? No. Nope. <laughs> like I said, I was hanging around certain people. Like, shout out to my man's Tajir. Like, he was helping me with the camera stuff. Cause he had, we had a whole little situation called True Music. That's probably like, I was probably like 19 around that time, 18, 19. So being around him, he had more knowledge than me. He was kind of like teaching me the camera settings, like how to shoot and slow motion and stuff like that. But for a while, I didn't. Matter of fact, the first camera I shot with was not a Canon T3i. It was a, my brother had this little, it was like a handheld flip camera. Mm. You remember them? It looked mm -hmm. like a cell phone. The screen was broke on it though. So I couldn't see. <laughs> but you I used recording. to just shoot and then pull it up with a computer. For real. That's crazy. And um, when you first start putting out your music and things like that, like what type of response did you get? Uh, I could say when I first started, I probably wasn't even really getting no responses like like that. It took like a, cause I used to drill people on Facebook. Like people used to get annoyed with me cause I used to post like every so much. You said four songs a day. You know like. what I'm saying? I used to post every minute. I'm tagging everybody so. For me doing that over time, it kind of like grew a fan base and people start, like it got to a point where I was like locally famous mm -hmm. in my home city. Like I would go outside and people driving down the street screaming my name out the window or I got chased by a group of girls down Market Street before. Like a lot of shit that happened, I mean, like it used to be crazy. Like, like, hey, I, was I, was I made it, yo. No, nah, I mean, it was, and I think it was like, it was only, at that time, the only young artist in the city was me. Young Swerve, because me and Young Swerve had did a uh, show together in Atlanta. We opened up for Gucci. We was like the first one of the first artists from the city to like start doing traveling. You know what I mean? So people was like really 
looking up to me doing all the shit I was doing. Yeah, because I remember you had that picture of Gucci and you and people trying to say it was fake. Yeah, (laughs) they said that John was photoshopped. (laughs) Like, what? Like, I ain't you that type of nigga. I'm not about to photoshop some fake shit, man. And at that time, how were you putting out music? Because, you know, now today we have, like, the streaming platform. So what were you utilizing back then? Back then it was... uh, they had I had Reverb Nation. It was a site. It was kind of like SoundCloud, but it was a little different. Like you could book shows and all that on there. So I mentioned music for movies and all that type of stuff. And um, I was using YouTube, and I was using I want to say just Facebook and CDs. And just yeah, so CDs yeah, you were doing music at the time where you like pressing out actual CDs. Getting CDs printed out with covers and. Hatting the right on shit, it was crazy. Going to Atlanta, passing them out at events and all that. I was doing the footwork back then. And were you doing a lot of that yourself? Like you said, because you were shooting your music, were you creating, like coming up with the graphic covers and things as well? Yeah, well, like mostly a lot of stuff I did by myself, but I did start getting help along the way. Like like I said, like Tiger, um, like I had like my family helping me with stuff. Like passing up CDs, my mom helping me getting CDs printed up. Like my mom was like one of my biggest supporters, you know what I'm saying? So she helped me with a lot of stuff, helped me get shows and stuff like that too. So. And how did that make you feel, or what did it even probably didn't even come as a surprise when you seen like your mom pushing you and, and behind you as much as she was? Nah, I ain't really start like understanding that shit until I got a little older. You know what I mean? When you, when I was young, I wasn't thinking about it. I mean, I of course I appreciated it. Like it felt good. Like it was fun. Like mm-hmm. we all going on trips to do shows together, and you know what I'm saying? It was dope. But now I look at it like, yo, that's dope because a lot of people don't get that support from their parents. You know what I mean? Like actually, like really putting themselves in in the middle of your dream to help secure. She going out to the clubs, having DJs play my shit, blasting my shit on the block, like. Oh, that. Yeah. That's love. And like you said, when you started pushing yourself at 16, after, you know, you went through the transition of, you know, getting in trouble and everything. But then once you turned 17, you're now a father. So when you found out you were going to be a dad, uh, what was your reaction to that? I, I actually was happy. I don't know why. So young. like, <laughs> But, like, I wanted to have a kid, like. I'm like, I got two daughters and, I, and they're, they're here purposely, so I don't know what the hell I was thinking back then, but, you know, it, it made me, like, had to step up and really go hard, like, it made me want to just own the world, you <laughs> know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I gotta go hard because I got kids now, like, and I don't want them to have to go through none of this shit I went through, so. But did that, like, put you in a tough position between, like, choosing your music and, like, focusing on being able to provide a life for her now? Yeah, it was definitely tough because I used to go through it with my daughter's mom, like about being in the studio, and like she used to put me down a lot, like, like get, you need to come get your daughter, or get out the studio, and you ain't gonna make it, and da 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 da. Like, she used to be like evil. She was evil. But you think that was because you got? You said you guys were young. She's like now she She's has a baby evil. and. 
Like you, it's acting like you in the studio, nigga. Like come get this baby. Like. I mean, but I was I was always with my daughter too. So you like, I, but I was like my studio was in the it was either in the house okay. or out back. So it was like you wasn't like you. I wasn't, wasn't there. nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Out back, like I wasn't leaving the house. Okay, like, true. You know what I'm saying? It was times where I had my daughter in the studio with me. She didn't been on songs like talking. Mm-hmm. She was three years old. You know what I'm saying? Like they was living. She, my baby mom was living in my house. I was saying my mom's house, so like I wasn't going nowhere. Right. She was just being like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Just going through a tough time. And when you <laughs> when you uh were when you like seeing her born and everything, like obviously you were seventeen, yeah. was your mind blown? Like yo, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, cause she had a C section, so it was even more intense. Like it was, I was like, oh, it was, it was crazy. Like I don't know, that shit was it was definitely dope. Like I was happy that I had a, a daughter though. Real talk. You touched on it kind of earlier because, um, like you said, you went through a couple of name ch- changes because when I was looking it up, I'm like, all right, well, it was loud, a problem child, too. Some stuff came up and then it was just loud. I was trying to find myself. And then, so, right. and then I think, but a lot of the stuff now is under worldwide loud. So did you have to go back and like change yeah, all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, that was probably a lot of uh, content yeah. that had to go back and change. And a lot of my stuff, like I took down, like, like on my YouTube, I, uh, I archived a lot of stuff because I'm putting out all new stuff. I rebranded my label and all that, so I'm gonna put it back up. I'm gonna let it go back up, but after I put out all my new stuff. Yeah, it was. It actually was nice to go back and look at all that old stuff from like 2011 because I'm yeah. like, dang, like I remember seeing this on Facebook and I'm thinking, oh, this shit is fire, right, right. and everything. Now I go back right, like, yeah, I was like, damn, that, that nigga shit. still was out there doing it. Like he right. said, I was shooting my own videos yeah. and all that. I was cracking up like that was at his house, like literally out front. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I know him. I like, was just doing that like a couple weeks ago, like looking at my old shit. And how did that make you feel when you see that you like the progression that you made? Was like it made me feel good because it just showed consistency. Like I actually kept going. Like if I would have stopped, I wouldn't have all this to look back at. You know what I mean? So it's dope to keep creating. It. Mm-hmm. And then I think that actually like was the first project or one of the first projects you released was Problem Child, like mixtape. Now the first project I released was called Long Way to Go. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. So it's the hard to find that one because the sites that I used to put it out, I think it was called Tweet My Song. Mm. It was ran by like, <coughs> I think Twitter, <coughs> but you could upload music on there and they, that site's gone now, so I can't find that project. It's only on the disc. I think my mom got that job somewhere. Then it was a uh, problem job. And then it was Problem Child too. Okay, the series. Okay, yeah, the the that you had hosted. Um, I think a couple of my homies want me to do a Problem Child three. You, I like, mean, it like, might yeah, make like, sense. I don't know. I ain't a child no more though. Can't do it on some like Lil Wayne type shit. Like, just make it all go <laughs> go crazy all the over all the new beats. Yeah. Something like that. Cause that's pr- kind of what you was doing back then, just like yeah. just yeah. snapping on everything. I didn't want to start doing that again. I'm like, yo, I ain't getting on somebody else's beat in a long time. I was thinking that you was really going Bring crazy. Bring that shit back, cause ain't nobody doing it. Don't steal my idea. Facts. <laughs> By the time uh, we release that, you'll probably have it already <laughs> out there too. Um, now, how many names do you think you had? <sighs> so, I had 
king by, by the problem child. I even was calling myself Loud Pacquiao for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I seen that too. <laughs> because uh, one of my homies, he used to call me that shit, so I just started calling my It was like a little small fade. And you got worldwide line. Um, and then I even think when I was younger than that, when I was like 13, 12, before I even started taking it serious, I, I had other names. So I didn't, I didn't have yeah. a lot of names. <laughs> It was a cycle, but do you think each one of those names represented like a different artist at that time as well? Yeah, because all my music, it kind of sound different at, from those different times, you know what I'm saying? Because when I was Stink Loud, that's when I was doing more like just straight rap shit. Like I wasn't doing like the melodic music or none of that. Then when I uh, went to Straight Loud, I think that's when I started mixing it up a little bit, trying to dibble and dabble into the melodic music. I ain't mastered it yet. Then when I turned into Worldwide Live, that's when I started doing just everything. Like I got all of that shit mastered now. Okay, so um, I'm going to name a couple of your projects, and I just want you to think of yourself at that time as an artist, as well as the project, and just like give like a brief description on on where you were pretty much with it. Um, we'll start off with the Problem Child series. The Problem Child series, I was still, I think I was still in school at that time. I was young, I was running the street with my, with my homies and shit. Um, I was uh, I was in the streets a little bit. I wasn't doing like a whole lot of crazy shit, but. And what do you think the music represented? Like what the music you were represented out? at that time? It represented. I really don't remember all the songs on the top. Yeah, I mean, you. I was you had a I'm lot of music. The videos in my head that I did to the project, and I know one of them was called Smoking Dope, and it was me and my brother. And that video was just on some like we were just talking about smoking weed, getting money. I was driving in a car that had rims on it and gold teeth, and like it was just some. At that time, that's when Chief Keith was hot. Mm -hmm. it was one of them type beats. So I don't know. I really don't remember all the songs. I ain't even gonna hold you. I made so many. We'll bring it. it. Uh, to a more recent series with uh, Risk It All. Yeah, one Risk and It two. All. So yeah. Risk it all. At that time, I was, I was doing a lot of shit like out here, like risking my freedom. You know what I'm saying? Risking losing everything. But I was doing it just to, you know, take that chance to be in a better place. Like, like where I'm at now, like I'm, I'm in a better place. Today. Like I went through shit, but it helped me. So at that time, I was just, I was wild. Yeah, and you even released a book with one of the more so with the music and the promo side. Like at that time, I feel like that's when it kind of started going in a more commercial, right, like branded right, right. type way. With like, who releases a book? Like, right, <laughs> yeah. And then um, you also released the Cure. the Cure. That was in twenty twenty, I believe. Yeah, I did that on. You you ain't see Risk It All too. Well, you know, those was up there too. I was talking about Risk It All and Risk It All too, pretty much together oh, with the I, last I, question. I, 
But they did come the kind of different I kind of like the cure. It was just a mix of just song that I made. I just threw it out there because of what was going on with the pandemic. Like it wasn't at that time. I think I was um, just now grabbing this bill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like trying to do my business stuff. And then I seen on YouTube you had uh, long awaited one and two as well. Was that an official project or was those just some songs? Well, actually, I'm I'm going to say it was on your YouTube, but That's it had I mean. worldwide L.A. L. A. Yeah, That's so I didn't know. I don't know why they still be popping up with my side. I be trying to contact them people and have them fix it, but... Because I was a little curious. Like, I've never seen this, but it's under mm-hmm. all the everything else. So I'm going to just see. <laughs> nah, that's not me. All right. Um, and then it, did you have a project worldwide or no? Because that was a compilation of songs. That's not me. Either. That's okay. All right. So scratch that. Um, now you're gearing up for the release of the much anticipated EP "Growing Pains," which you've been releasing singles for you know like the last year or so. But this will be like the first project right. since right. you know the Cure. So, um, what are you looking to showcase with this one? This EP is really just uh, pain. Like it's basically I'm just touching on like all the stuff I've been going through in the past like two years like with me fighting the cases I was fighting me getting locked up doing time and being on probation and you know that's and it's more the me the music is melodic like all of it's melodic none of it's me just straight rapping like on some meat mail type shit okay you know what I mean so I'm just showcasing that side of me are there going to be any features nah, no features um, and you generally like don't do too many features like on your projects. No. Like, is there a reason for that? Uh, I don't know. I just be feeling like if I'm going to do a feature, it's going to be for a reason. Like, like I got songs with people, you know what I'm saying? But they just don't be fitting the project that I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, but I do want to start doing more features. And I plan on doing that. Like, I just was talking to my homie the other day. Like, I'm about to. I got a mixtape coming out after Growing Pain. It's called I Ain't Write This. So it's song that's just all freestyle. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I'm putting features. I already got a couple features right now. You know what I mean? So So do you write and freestyle depending on the situation? I mean, lately I've been I've been freestyling just punching in. You know what I mean? I I learned how to do that shit uh, a couple years ago with Rich homie, Quan's homie, Nard, they was showing me how to do that in Atlanta, and that's how I made Trapping Like a Fool. That's how I made, um, it was another one of my songs that I made that was dope. But I stopped doing it and started writing because I felt like it was hard. But I've been practicing that shit for like the past six months, and I've been getting better at it. So like, all the music that I've been putting out for the past couple months and this project, None of it was written. Okay. And how are you treating this project rollout compared to the others? Well, this project, I'm um, actually shooting a lot of videos right now. So I got like four or five videos already that's about to drop with the project. Um, I got a lot of blog sites and stuff that's going to be posting it. And I'm just trying to get it on more platforms than I usually do. You know what I mean? Take that extra step instead of... Just putting it out there like I usually do and not really put nothing behind it. So I'm going to put more money behind this project. Okay. 
Um, now, um, what do you hope to gain with this project and treating it, you know, with more, you know? I just hope to gain, uh, you know, a bigger audience with it for real. Okay. And now, as I mentioned, you're not just an artist. You also own a label worldwide forever. Um, and your artist, Fatty Sab, has pretty a pretty big following. Um, what made you start that? Well, you already said that you wanted to branch off from a previous label to do your own thing. So how much, how did you and Fatty Sab link up? Well, Fatty Sab was my my uh, neighbor when I lived on 18 Virginia. So like, what year was that? I want to say like 2017, around that time. He was my neighbor or whatever. But he was a fan of my music. like, So I, don't, I really don't remember exactly like how we got in contact and even link on some music stuff, but he was trying to make music. So I told him I'll shoot a video for him for free. Mm -hmm. So I shot his first video. It's called Sneak This, and it probably got like 60,000, 70,000 views right now on YouTube. But that John started getting some numbers on it, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I told him how to shoot it, you know what I mean? Take his shirt off. Like I had a whole little vision in my head with him. Mm -hmm. This is with him not being my artist at the time. So I already gave him like a head start, you know what I'm saying? Once I seen it start getting traction, I'm like, yo, I mean, I, I, got, I think I got an idea. Mm -hmm. So I started talking to him about really, you know, taking it seriously, like he want to do it. So I'm like, all right, bet. So I just got behind him and I started coming up with more strategies and started linking in with certain people and, you know, just putting money behind him and helping him out. And it started taking off. And would you ever see yourself like going full time executive, like kind of like a little baby situation, just saying forget rap and just focusing strictly on building yeah. a label? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What I'm trying, I be looking at little baby shit. Like he one of the people that I look, I look up to far as um, artists that go executive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I be looking at his label page and looking at how they be doing stuff and the artists that he be discovering. Like he be discovering some big people, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's definitely what I'm trying to do eventually. I don't know how soon, but eventually. Has any labels like approached you and Fatty Sav as far as trying to, you know, sign y'all on, on? Yeah, like I know, like last year, a lot of labels was hitting and hitting me about the situation with Fatty for sure too. Like, I dealt with, like, a lot of independent labels and stuff like that. But, like, Atlantic Records, Sony Records, Alamo Records, fucking a, a couple labels that called me. But you feel like you know enough of the business now and have been doing it to know, like, what's worth hearing and are a good deal or pretty I much mean, what to look for? I mean, yeah, it, but at the same time, it was like, a lot of labels, like the way the labels work nowadays, they don't, they don't put money behind artists until they're already big. Mm -hmm. Even though his numbers was big at the time, like he had a couple hundred thousand views, but I seen situations where artists get signed and then they get shoved because mm -hmm. they ain't got enough value. So our whole thing was like, let's keep building him up let him grow as an artist before we let somebody come in and try to change everything. And and they wasn't going to offer enough money. Mm -hmm. And we already had a situation, like a a, a management contract with um, 
we got a, a situation with Littles. He's a manager for, like, he managed people on TIG, um, Moneybag Yo, Moneybag, what's his name, Greg? Uh, Greg Big Green. Homie, Big Homie G. Like, th those are the artists that he managed, Rubber Band OG. He managed Mob Deep. He, he do a lot of industry stuff, so he was helping us with, like, decisions, too. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So we just going to keep building him up, and then we going to go to the labels ourselves and do, a, like, a, a partnership. We don't want to do no straight signing with no label. Mm -hmm. And what can we expect from Sat Fatty Sav as far as, like, music? He has any projects coming? Or? Yeah, well, you know, he just he recently lost his mom. Mm -hmm. So he's he been taking, like, a, a kind of, like, a little break off of social media but we still been working he's shooting videos he got music we trying to put out a project like an ep or a mixtape you mm -hmm. know what i mean because he only been dropping singles and videos so we want to give the people something different and you know just move him around start doing shows out of town and might even throw like a big worldwide concert in the city or something like that you know what i mean but he's just still working he's gonna keep pushing that'd be dope um, now, like you mentioned earlier, you also have the production house, which is pretty much a multimedia hub for artists and creators to be able to um, pretty much have everything they would need in a in one place as far as a studio, yeah. create green room. Um, how did you come across that space? Um, or pretty much when did that venture become? Well, I always, like since a kid, wanted to, like, me and my family wanted to have a spot where we could do all of this type of shit. So, um, two years ago, I was looking for a space just to have my own studio for me personally, because I wasn't trying to keep recording at my house. And I came across just a spot, which is one room, and I was about to get it. And then I came across this. So I'm like, yo, I need that spot, you know what I mean? So I reached out to the lady, and she was saying that somebody else was ahead of me, and they wanted it. If they don't get it, then I can have it. Somehow she ended up not getting it, and you know I got the space, and it's just been working since then. And um, has people like been recept receptive to the space coming through, like actually utilizing it? Yeah, the studio get more bookings than anything, like. It'll, it'll probably be studio then events like people rent out the space to do events and then like we got the green room we just built the jail cell downstairs so we got that um that had probably only been used like twice so far so it's definitely doing decent though okay and uh like we just discussed you, you've experienced a lot of growth over your journey um been on international tours, performed for many places, different career ventures, but you've also had some bumps in the journey, especially most recently with um, dealing with police harassment. Uh, kind of, if you can, you know, just expand on what you were dealing with and kind of how that affected your business and what you had going on. Um, I think I was really just being like. Uh, racially profiled or something because I moved into a new neighborhood. I live in Swat Air. My studio's in Swat Air. Swat Air Township Police been harassing me. I've never been harassed by Harrisburg Police all of the years I lived in Harrisburg. Although I've been arrested by Harrisburg Police, I never had these situations. So 
I just feel like they was they was trying to be nosy and trying to figure out what I had going on. They didn't know who I was, how old I was to be having all of this going on. You know what I'm saying? So. And the, all that attention and, you know, them, you know, coming into your establishment while, you know, the business is closed and everything like that, targeting you at the gas station. Um, did that put you at risk of losing this property or pretty much everything you've been building? Yeah, kind of in a sense, because uh, when I got arrested, one of the times that they were harassing me, I got caught with drugs on me. So it kind of like put me in a situation where now I'm on probation and, you know, but I made it happen. Like, I ain't lose the space, but yeah, definitely. And... um when you posted about the burglary alarm and everything going off, you know, going off with that, and then the video you posted at the gas station, you actually said that you were receiving a lot of support from the community as right. far as people reaching out, reposting the video. Right. Um, do you think that played a role in kind of them falling back off of you? Yeah, it could have because they did mention to me that they seen the video I posted on Facebook when we had a, a interaction, they did tell me that. So I think that could be a big reason why like, I don't really have no more problems out of that. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, they know I was going to try to sue them. That's what I say. <laughs> Fuck that. They got to be tough. And what did you take from that situation, especially with, like, at that time, George Floyd passing? It was yeah. a lot going on. Like, a, in the last few years, period, it was a lot um, within, you know, just the police tension and community. So for you to have experienced it yourself, like, how did that make you feel? Um, I felt like I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, it was only two cops there and me. They didn't call for backup or nothing, you know what I'm saying? So I felt like my life was at risk. I mean, I didn't know what could have happened. And I just had surgery the day before on my wrist, so, like, I was in a lot of pain. You know what I mean? But, like, even, you know, Ben Crump, he he reposted my video and all of that, so I was really trying to take a lot of legal action on that, but it didn't really get nowhere because it seemed like they don't really try to hop on cases unless <clears throat> somebody's dead. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... Because even in them cases, the officers most times don't even go to jail. So, right, right. Um, now, touching back more on the you know positive side, uh, you released a ton of music. You started, you know, like you said, probably 2011 or so. Uh, you developed your skills in both production for the audio and video side. Um, you found and developed other stars, even, you know, just like I said, the tour. So, would you consider yourself a successful artist? Mm. I mean, I would say in a way, like, I got I, I got a lot of achievements, but I still don't feel like I'm successful. Personally, like, where you... Yeah, like, other people think that, so I don't know, but I don't... I think I just be... I overthink. I think too much. So. Because you... I'm going to say, for you, you have higher goals. Like, you know right. where you want to go yeah. with it, but just for somebody who just looks at the overall picture, like... Most people wouldn't even continue to have still been rapping. They wouldn't even right, thought to, right. you know, figure out skills to make money to, you right. know, so you know, support their rapping. You have a whole studio. You don't ever have to pay somebody else to record a day in your life. Like <laughs> so it's like right. you kinda made yourself a brand in the business and set an example to, you know, what you could be and you're still young. So it's right. like 
it'd be one thing if you was like you know 57 still trying to you know grab and shit like bro what are you just doing like let this shit go for real um do you think you've reached your peak no fuck no hell no i still got a long way to go and what would you say to someone that I feel like I just been I've been chilling like people see all the stuff I did and they feel like I did did it big but I, I still feel like nah like cause I know what my potential is I know what I can do like I know the connections I got that I really need to use you know what I'm saying so that's why right now like after I just did the 10 months that I just did locked up and all that like it kind of it got me more focused you know what I mean? I came home, I did everything I said I was going to do. I work, I got a project I'm about to release. I'm shooting. I, did, I never put out this much videos for no project. Like, I'm really active right now, and I'm really about to just turn up like, like I never did before and see what my potential is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I should be performing more. Mm-hmm. I, should be, I should be in Harrisburg less. You know what I mean? Like, I was doing before, like, I was never here. When people would see me, they'd be like, damn, bro, I didn't even know you was here. How long you here for? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now people used to seeing me here because the shit I was going through for the past two, three years, like, it kind of hindered my career. Like, catching them cases and all that. I couldn't go nowhere. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do shit. I had to worry about paying for lawyers and all of this stuff. So now all of that's out the way. Now I could really go, you know what I mean? Go up. And what would you say to someone that says, like, yo, bro, you've been doing it for this long, it's time to just give it up? <laughs> I don't know. I'd just be like, I can't give up. Like, I've been doing it for so long. How the fuck am I going to give up? Like, this is my life. Like, this is my job. Like, like, this like, is, like, this is my daily routine. And, like, when I wake up, I don't think about doing nothing else, but I go to the studio or go do what I'm supposed to do business-wise. Like, at the end of the day, I know I don't want to be a rapper forever. Like I don't even wanna be the biggest rapper in the world. Like I don't want I don't wanna be like the uh the uh like fucking I wanna say I ain't gonna say Jay Z cause Jay Z turned into a businessman, but like You just like don't wanna be or somebody. Yeah. Like I don't wanna be that big. Like I I still wanna make music cause I love to make music. Like if I can make money off of it and shit, I'ma still keep doing it to keep my label alive and help my artists. Like I'ma put other people on along the way. At the end of the day, I'm still gonna make my money. You know what I mean? That's what it is. At the end of the day, that's what people are doing this shit for money. I'm gonna just do it in a different way. Facts. Um, well, like I said, we've touched on a lot. I think we've, you know, created the perfect picture for the audience to see you and what you bring to the table. Um, May first, growing pain drops. Um, when do should we expect the visuals to drop? Like with the product, like you said, like the that comes out, you um, see out. The, if the uh, if the director that shot my first video for pain can have it done by that date, then I'll drop it. But if not, it's probably gonna be like a week after that, and then I start dropping everything else. Like I don't know if I'm gonna do it like week by week, or if I'm gonna let it promote for a couple of weeks, and then drop the new jump, but. There's a couple videos coming, for sure. Well, again, I want to thank you for sitting down and talking with us. It's been a pleasure. Um, Tell everybody, you know, where to find you and your music so that we, you know, can link up and make sure they catch that EP. Y'all can just go on Google, search Worldwide Loud, L-A-U. 
I mean, everything you looking for is going to be on there. All right. Um, thank you. Cloudy Conversations. Let's get it.